You're listening to the My Victory Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to My Victory Church, one church in five locations. Let's welcome everyone that's joining us right now in Tabor, Claire's home, Okotoks, Lloyd Minster, Lethbridge. And all of you joining us online, wherever you guys are around the world, welcome to all of you. Uh, welcome to Jody and to Robin and Gloria and to Hope and George. And who else we got? Jennifer and we've got Deborah. Anthony's on there. Uh, we have this, uh, Carolyn. So good to see all of you guys on there. Phil is on YouTube. Good to see you there as well. Micah, all the way from the Philippines. Uh, welcome to you. And man, so cool. One church, multiple, multiple locations. Welcome to all of you. Give everyone that's joining us online a big hand as well. And welcome to part three of our Songs of Summer series. And if you're joining us for the first time, all throughout the summer what we're doing is we're, we're we're releasing brand new uh, music that's been written and recorded here at the church. And the reason why we're doing this is because I believe that, that oftentimes music is kind of the prophetic tool of the day where God can speak into something very prophetically. So we're not just listening with our physical ears, we're listening with our spirits as well, that God can speak something very directly to us through music. And oftentimes when we sing songs, great songs, great worship songs, and they, they have meaning, those songs, have, you know, by the time we get them, have been written a year and a half, two years ago, recorded, all the rest of it, and they're a prophetic word for another church. And yet, it sometimes there's songs that just resonate and through throughout and ripple throughout the entire world, and it's God speaking to the Big C Church. But I've been pushing our our music team for a number of years now, and just saying we need to write songs that God is speaking to our congregation in this time in this season. And one of the things that we did throughout COVID is we kind of we actually locked off this stage, curtains were closed, and all the rest of it, and we gathered a few of the the team together. And we began writing songs in the midst of COVID and began to, to write, you know, lyrics and songs that were, we felt God was saying something. And as we wrote them, I really sensed, I was like, there's a depth to these that are a little bit, is a little bit different than some of the ones that we've written before. And I thought, we got to do a series on it and release these songs and preach through them because I really feel that this is God's word for our church in this season. And so excited for what that season is going to be for our church. We are on the brink of something uh, extraordinary. We are, we, we're so excited to launch in the next couple of months and, and reveal not only the songs, but we're actually doing a complete rebrand of, of, our, of our church and a relaunch in essence. It almost feels like a replant in, in some ways. A relaunch, and so I want you to mark in your calendars, October 1st is a Friday. Friday, October 1st, we're going to have a, a massive party here uh, on the, the property here in Lethbridge, and we're inviting all of our campuses, and that includes any of you online. If you can make it to Lethbridge, Friday, I've given you lots of warning, come on. Friday, October 1st, just set that, mark that on your calendar because we're going to be doing a big relaunch and, and uh, it's going to be an exciting time. But we've got so much coming up that we're, we're excited about. And, and in these songs, again, don't just listen to these songs and to these messages with just, yeah, that was a good message and you hear it with your words and it, yeah, it, that, was, that was good. Listen to what God is prophetically speaking 
to us in this season because he's, what he's prophetically speaking, not just to our church, that's, that's for you. The church is not this building or the buildings. The church is the people, and, and, we are, and it's what God is speaking to us, to your family, to your, your season, to, in your season, and what God is doing in your uh, personal life and throughout the, um, your family's life and your business's life. And it does, it does feel different, doesn't it? This summer feels a little bit different. We come through COVID. Thank God uh, we're mostly through that. And, and all uh, through that, but we're feeling like, okay, something has shifted and changed globally, but in the church especially, something has shifted and changed. And I want to be on the front end of the wave of, of the move of God rather than catching the ripples. So we need to hear what God is saying. So before we get to today's song, uh, let me, I want to ask you a, a question and it might sound like an over, overly simplified question, but I, I want to ask a question regardless anyway, because we need to set something, I don't know, just a foundation today in place in all of our hearts and all of our minds. And the question is this, are you a good Christian? Okay, are, you, are you a good Christian? And and. Before some of you go, oh, are, are we going to get it now? And being told, how to be good. listen, listen, I, 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 I assure you I'm not that preacher. Okay, those of you who know me, I'm not that preacher. But we need to, this, this is an important question. And another way to, of wording this question is, have you been a good Christian this week? Some of you just slouched in your chairs. I don't know what. What, what that was all about. I'm just kidding. But according to the statistics, a majority of Christians, and probably according to the statistics, statistics most of you in this room and most of you watching online, have, would have answered this question or did answer this question in your own mind, I'm trying to be. Right? So I, are, you, are you a good Christian? Have you been a good Christian? I'm trying to be. And if that was your answer, then don't get offended by this, because I'll set this right. But you have no idea what Christianity is all about. Let me show you why. Now you're all curious? Because there's, there's, there's a big difference, and you know, all of you know my disdain for religion. So we're going to attack it a little bit today. Is that okay? I just, I, I don't like religion. And, and religion is man's way to get to God. But I want to tell you something. that there's, there's a religious Christianity that is disgusting. And it, it is wrong on so many levels. And it's so easy for us to fall prey to that trap in our own minds that we forget what relationship with God's all about and what He's done. So let's let's go and let's go and look. I'm going to go to a story in the Old Testament, actually in, in Exodus chapter 14, and it's a familiar story. Um, it's familiar, and more than just those of you who have, are familiar with the Bible, it's familiar because there's been movies written all about this. Movies like The Prince of Egypt and movies like Exodus that kind of talk about the story and tell the story and depict the story. So this is a very, very popular story, and it's the story of the Israelites 
um, you know, getting freed from 400 years of slavery under the oppression of the Egyptians. Egypt at the time was the most powerful nation on the planet. Enslaved the Israelites for 400 years. 400 years is, we just celebrated what Canada's 153rd, was it, right? Or something like that, uh, birthday. So Canada's like a fraction of this 400 years uh, that these guys were slaves. So this is a long time, generation after generation of slavery. And God, through you know, Moses and a bunch of miraculous signs, get, the Israelites get set free. And after, right after they get set free and leave, we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 14. And I'm going to start in verse 5. It says this, right after they, they walked out with freedom, it says this, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his, that's the king of Egypt, his, and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services, which is a very polite way to say services. Like, no, you didn't, you, it's not like, you know, we lost some staff, you know, no, you lost slaves. And so what they're really, what they're really saying is, wait a second, we have to do the work now? Who's going to build these pyramids? Us? <laughs> we lost our slaves. There's over three million, minimum three million Israelites that walked out of Egypt. That's a lot of slave labor. And they just lost their services. Okay. Um, anyway, so they changed their minds. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. Just as we go through this, I want you to, to take note of how many times Moses, who wrote this in, in Exodus, wrote this account, how many times he uses the word all. He makes it clear multiple, multiple times. We're going to see in the verses coming up and in this verse that, that Pharaoh took all his chariots, all his horsemen, and we'll see in, in the next verses, all of his army. That's important because of what's about to occur. Okay, now look at this. It says, Now the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. Now, I just wait. I, this verse has always troubled me because I was, you know, there's, there's times in the Old Testament where it says things like God hardened Pharaoh's heart. I'm like, okay, wait a second. That's not the God that I am familiar with or, or, or the God that I, like he can harden somebody's heart to turn against. And, and basically this is hardening Pharaoh's heart to pursue the Israelites who are God's chosen people. And so he's basically it's God's fault that Pharaoh is taking the entire army to re-enslave? What's the deal with that? That doesn't seem like our God, like God's going to harden circumstances around us to turn them against you, to have you go through a battle. That doesn't seem like God. Why would he do that? Like, what, what's up with that? Why would, why would Moses say that? I, I think one of the things that we see is we often see, you and I often see small picture immediate circumstances, everything that's right in front of us. But God had something much bigger in mind. And God knew in the big picture that, that Pharaoh had all, could always change his mind. Pharaoh at any time had, was the most powerful in the natural, most powerful ruler, most powerful army on the planet. At any time, any susceptible time, could take them 
on this. And God had a plan to deal with Egypt's power. Are you following me? So why did God do this? I think, number one, God wanted to demonstrate his mighty power and remove Egypt's ability to ever re-enslave Israel again. Because fast forward to the end of the story, you, you've seen this in, in Exodus. What happens is they get trapped at the Red Sea. God parts the waters and they walk across on dry land. And just as the last Israelite gets across on, on the shore, then God closes the waters while the Egyptian army is chasing through there and the entire Egyptian army it drowned in the sea and wiped out. Now, what happened in that moment? It's the same thing, and I use this all the time when it comes to baptism. It's the same thing that happens in baptism. Baptism, that word simply means immersion. So what happened is, is that Egypt wasn't destroyed, but Egypt's power to forever or to ever re-enslave Israel again was once and for all completely wiped out because we see all of Pharaoh's army, all of Pharaoh's men came in there and the entire, the entire power of Egypt was immediately just wiped out. Which meant that they were for Israel was forever and ever free. That's better than one clap, come on. Come on. Because this is what it means for you. This story... This story, by the way, and any times in the, Old, in the Old Testament, this story is a foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to do for you. This, this story that we're reading in Exodus, in Exodus 14 is really the salvation story. This is, this is a salvation story played out in, in, in Old Testament. You know, this is what happened. And, and what happens in baptism is that when you get baptized and you go under the water, what happens when you go under the water is you're baptized, immersed. And sin is, it doesn't mean you're never going to sin again, but sin's power to ever re-enslave you again is buried. And then you get resurrected out of the water into the life-saving grace. That's what it says in Romans 6. That's powerful. So why did God, why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? Because he wanted to forever and ever deal with their power to ever re-enslave Israel again. I think secondly, God wanted to make a way where there is no way. That's what he specializes in. And thirdly, I think, I think, I think God wanted to build trust in Israel for him as God and also their trust in Moses to follow him. Because remember, Moses didn't grow up with them. He, was, he grew up with Pharaoh and they still, even though they walked out free, they still didn't trust Moses, as we'll see in a moment. It goes on, it says this. The Egyptians, all, there it is again, Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops, there's all, pursued the Israelites and overtook them, and they camped by the sea near that place and opposite of that place. I'll let you figure out the translation and... <laughs> all wiped out. Now it goes on. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there they were. There were the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Which this this proves to me they had just seen. Just think about this. 
They had just seen 10 plagues, miraculous plagues, plagues of darkness where all of a sudden it got dark during the day, plagues of, of the locusts, plagues of, of the, the, the Nile River turning to blood. They, they had just seen amazing, amazing miracle after miracle after miracle, 10 in a row, amazing things of God. And here they are in the face of, they see all of that, they walk out in freedom after 400 years, they walk out free and all of a sudden they see the army and they're terrified. And I was like, isn't it just like us as human beings? Come on. Just like us as human beings. We see the power of God move until we face the next obstacle. And when you face the next obstacle, even though we just saw God move and move and move, we see the next obstacle, oh, this is the one that's going to take me out. That's just human nature. Elijah, haven't we learned this in the first week of this series? Elijah, Mount Carmel, Jezebel's threat. Oh, no. I'm going to get taken out. Peter, eyes on Jesus, walking on water, suddenly pays attention to the wind. Isn't it human nature for us to pay attention to the storm, pay attention to the wind, pay attention to, to the army in front of us, pay attention to somebody's idle threats, whatever it might be. We pay attention to what's in front and we forget the power of God. There's a key here that you need to sometimes look back to build up the faith for what, for what is ahead. And see the power of God. That God delivered you from that. This is no problem. So they're terrified. Which proves that you can be saved, but not free. They had been saved from Egypt, but they still weren't free in their own hearts. So they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? They didn't bury slaves in a grave. They just would dump them in a pit and all the rest of it. And so this is kind of a revealing of the treatment that they had received. And they're like, okay, so you brought us out here so that we can have our own graves. It's kind of dark, but that's then they said, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. This is hilarious. This is really, really funny. Because I had to go back and look at this and saying, when did they say this? Like, so I went back and all, read all through Exodus and was like, okay, did they ever say, you know, hey, leave us alone. We're better off as slaves. Did they ever say that? Not exactly. Here's what they said. Exodus 2, verse 23, says they groaned in their slavery and cried out to God for a rescue. So God sends Moses. And when, they, when Moses shows up and says, God has sent me, this is their response in Exodus chapter 4. And God wants you free and God's answering your prayers. This is their response. It wasn't, hey, leave us alone. We want to serve in Egypt. We like it here. That's what, that wasn't their response. Their response is when, they, when Moses said, hey, I'm here. God wants to set you free. They said, and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Not exactly leave us alone. <laughs> but hey, when we go through trials, don't we look for someone to blame?
Moses didn't go, hey, wait a second, that's not exactly what you said. Moses didn't even acknowledge that. This is what Moses said. Moses answered and said, do not be afraid. And they're probably thinking when they hear this, they're like, oh, good, he has a plan. <laughs> and then he says this, stand firm. Okay, stand firm. And, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Now they're thinking, oh no, he's crazy. And we're crazy for following him. Because Moses didn't have a plan. God, God hadn't spoken to Moses yet. Moses stands up and says, stand firm. You're going to see God deliver you today. It's going to happen. And they're thinking, you don't have a plan. Uh-oh. But listen, Moses is making a statement of faith. Peter got out of the boat. The 11 stayed in the boat. Peter made a statement of faith. Moses makes a statement of faith. Are you seeing a trend? Sometimes in the midst of the storm, in the midst of, you got you to know who your God is. And know what's happening. Because look at what, this is, the key, this is the key verse in this entire, this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. It says this in Exodus 14, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. This verse is what makes Christianity different than every other religion on the planet. This verse is what makes relationship with Jesus different than the religion of Christianity, than every other religion on the planet. Why? Because every other religion, including the religion of Christianity, says that you have to do the fighting. You have to do the good works. You have to do, the, you have to do all the work to maybe please the God. And Moses said, and Moses knew even what the Israelites didn't know. That you can stand firm and watch God do the work. Because he's the one. It's his battle. It's not yours. And this, that's, that's what grace is. That's where we get faith from. Is that our God fights the battles for us. We just need to be still. Religion says, I have to try harder. I have to do all the work. I have to. God's like, oh, I'm God. I'm king. This is my battle. Look at what God says next. This is, sounds contradictory. But look at this. He says, Then the Lord says to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. <laughs> what? Moses is like, What do you mean? What? Like, why are you crying out to me? God says, 
uh, Moses is like, uh-oh. Now he doesn't have a plan. <laughs> it sounds contradictory. Like, why are you crying out to me? That's what we're supposed to do, aren't we? We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to cry out. We're supposed to, we're supposed to beg God to answer our prayers. We're supposed to shout louder, dance a little higher. We're do whatever we can to get his attention, to get God to move on our behalf. God's like, why are you crying out to me? I haven't changed my instructions. I told you back in Egypt I was delivering you. Why are you standing still? Why are you not moving? Why are you taking, wasting time crying out to me? Move on. <laughs> what does that mean? There's a difference between being still and standing still. Being still is, is peace in the heart. Standing still is stopping because you're uncertain as to what God said and what God wants and, and God's will and if God's fighting. Sometimes we, 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 use the, we, we scripturalize it and we turn it into theologies. We say, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm just standing still. I'm waiting on the Lord until God says something. Listen. Keep moving. It's easier to steer a moving car than a parked one. Keep moving with God's last instructions. If he hasn't given you new instructions, that means the last one isn't fulfilled yet. Keep moving. And it doesn't, being still doesn't mean standing still. Keep moving. That's what God's saying. He's like, why are you crying out to me? I'm still God. I'm still fighting. Keep, I didn't tell you to stop. Keep moving. Okay. Now this whole passage, by the way, th these, these verses, this reveals the path of salvation. Because here's, here's what happens in salvation. This is what I, what I need. We started this message with the qu question, are you a good Christian? And many of you in your answered, I'm trying. I'm trying to. But listen, this is, this is what you need to understand about your relationship with God. Is what you get when you pray the prayer of salvation is you get freedom from bondage. You get freedom. You don't have to earn freedom. You get freedom. Paul said this in Romans 6 verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law or religion or trying harder or, or all these things. You're under grace, which means God's unmerited, undeserved favor that you get freedom deservedly so or not. So when you're saying I'm trying to be a good Christian, there's no such thing as a good Christian. You're either Christian or you're not. There's no such thing as good. Other than God is good. And you're given the gift of righteousness. Right standing with God. How do you get it? How do you get it? You cross over. Just like the Israelites crossed over. You cross over by grace. Paul said this in Ephesians 2 verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from it doesn't say through works by the way it says through faith and this is not from yourself just in case you're, you misunderstood this this is not your effort this is not your goodness this is not you trying hard this is not of yourselves it is a gift and most translations say a 
free gift from God. That's good. Why is that possible? Because God fights for you, for me. Paul said this in Romans 4. However, to the one who does not work, but trust God. That's not saying doing a job. Don't use the scripture as saying, hey, it's a promises. I don't have to work. Anyway, no. This is not the one who's working for your salvation in context. However, to the one who does not work for their salvation, but trust God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as right standing with God, righteousness. So when I started saying, are you a, are you a good Christian? Listen, it's not from your works, righteousness. It's a free gift from God. And this is, what, this is what's so powerful in today's takeaway is this, is that our salvation is not dependent on the quality of our faith, but it's based on the object of our faith. Our salvation. Somebody needs to hear this today, is that you've been trying so hard and you feel like you've been failing as a Christian, that you're not good and maybe you're feeling the guilt and the shame. That guilt, that shame, that is not from God. And that is not from, if that's from a church, if you've been guilted and shamed by a church, that's a church that does not understand salvation. Because salvation is a free gift. Not based on your works. Not based on your goodness. It's based on your faith that God is God and that you're not. Free gift. So what do you do with that free gift? It's, it's, see, it's based on the, not the quality of your faith. See, we judge Peter through a religious lens, and we say that Peter sunk because of the, 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 the lack of quality of his faith. That's why he began sinking. He began sinking when he lost focus on the object of the faith. And the same will happen to you. You keep your eyes on Jesus. He will fight your battles for you. You keep your eyes on him, you won't sink. Because your faith is not dependent on the, your quality of faith, your beliefs, your, your, you know, how much faith you have, or how much little you have. All, it's not based on you or your faith. Or, it's not based on that. It's based on the object of the faith. So keep your eyes on Jesus. The psalmist said it this way. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God and you are not. Yes, Lord. Be still. Doesn't mean stand still. Be still. Just be peace and know He is God. Whatever your circumstances, whatever your storm is, just be still. Don't work it up. Don't work it up. Don't work it up. Don't. I gotta try harder. I gotta do better. I gotta pray harder. I gotta. Do, don't. Don't do that. Just. Just be still, and know, He, is God. And many of us today in Lethbridge are we're hurting today. We lost a good friend yesterday. You know, Mike was a pivotal part of our church. The ever-encourager.
He passed away yesterday. I was like, man, you get, it's like a gut punch. Lost a friend. But at the same time, we have a hope that is Jesus. And we know, oh my goodness, he's probably met everybody in heaven by now. That's Mike. He's made his rounds. He's met everybody. Like, and we know one day that this is the hope that we have in Jesus. We know because we're not God. He is. We know it's not the end of the story. We just got to be still and know he is God. And I have no, I say it all the time, but listen, I have no idea how people go through life without the hope that is Jesus. Because life throws curveballs. And our salvation is a free gift that we don't have to work hard for. It's just there's a peace attached to it because of our Savior. So what if you trusted, fully trusted Him? Be still. And what battle are you fighting today? And let me ask you this question. Is it your battle? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much that you are God, that we are not. And Lord, we put our hope and our trust fully in you. Whatever that battle is, we lay it at your feet and we just surrender and are still. Jesus' name. If you're here today and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus doesn't make your life void of problems. But he does give you peace in the midst of it. He does fight your battles for you. He doesn't ask you to be good enough to have a relationship with him. All he says is you got to have faith. Just confess with your mouth that he is God. And believe in your heart. That's the faith part. That he rose again from the dead. You'll be saved. You'll have a relationship with him. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer that does just that. We confess with our mouth that he's God. And if you believe what you're praying is true right here, right now, you can begin relationship with him. So let's pray this together. Everyone repeat this after me. If you're watching online, pray it with me wherever you are. Let's pray right now. Dear Jesus. I confess that you are God and I believe that you rose again from the dead and I ask you right now to become my God, my Lord and Savior, and my friend. Thank you for forgiving me of all my wrongs, for accepting me just as I am. I give my heart to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. If you pray this prayer for the first time, you just boldly raise up your hand and give me a wave and say, yeah, Pastor, I prayed this prayer for the first time. I want to begin relationship with Jesus today. Awesome. If you're watching online, you prayed this prayer the first time, why don't you just 
click like on the I have decided message in the messages below. We'd love to send you a Bible. Our free gift to you explains what this relationship's all about. Thank you for joining us today on our My Victory podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out at myvictory.ca. If you'd like to watch our live stream, go to victorylethbridge.tv.